She's a doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Dobek, and she's a dietitian. Hey, I'm Hannah Schuyler, and together we are the, the Doctor Dietitian, dietitian Collab. And today we have a very big announcement. It's very exciting. It is exciting. And without further ado, because of the name of the title here, yeah. <laughs> we at Body by Bariatrics are going to start caring for pediatric, adolescent, bariatric surgery patients, and some medical weight loss as well. So we know that this is filled with, it's a complex topic, mm -hmm. it's controversial. Mm. What did you think when I originally came to you and said, we need to do this? I think, I mean, I think you're 100% right. It's, it is, it's controversial. It's emotionally charged. Like there's a lot that goes into this. And then for me, I'm like, this is also just a different population than adults. So like, you know, my brain just starts thinking of like, all right, what are all the considerations? What does the programming look like? What is, how does this differ from my perspective for treating this population versus the adult population? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of skepticism about it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of negativity in media or yeah. just, you there's know, a lot of dietitians that are, are not into this idea. I I know there's yeah. a lot of surgeons. It's a lot of, well, you know, you, you can't do it. You shouldn't do it. These are kids. What about the long term? So today we decided that we are going to go very comprehensively in depth into this topic and just really just sharing with our listeners Really, just like you said, what does this programmatic build look like? Like, how do yeah. we, what is the foundation? What does this look like? How do our patients get involved with this? And I think that all those considerations are so important. And we want you to kind of come with us live as we um, really start to make this program and we put it on our website and, and you really can see all of those things. Yeah. So the first thing I really want to start with is that we are taking this narrowly seriously, yeah. obviously. And when you're developing a new program, obviously you want a great outcome, is it to be very safe, it to be effective. Mm -hmm. That's the thing about bariatric surgery, that it is still the most effective tool that exists to lose weight and to keep it off. Mm -hmm. And so we really want to be very thoughtful in, in how we're going to do this. And I think one of the things is, you know, we're looking at these younger um, patients as truly patients. Right. And just really quickly, what's the age range we're talking about here? Yes. Because I think people hear pediatric and they think like seven-year-old. Oh, no, no, you no. Know? No, my friends. No, no. not at all. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. So we are doing – so just so that you know, there's a lot out there right now with the Academy of Pediatrics and with uh, the Society for Bariatric Surgery, the International Society for it. So all of these – there's a lot of great evidence, lots of volumes of it that really support it. And then they're saying to think about it at age 12 and up. Wow. We are not. We are not. We are starting with ages 15 and up. Mm -hmm. So we were before doing ages 18 to 80, and now we're 15 to 80, Yeah, I would say. Um, and we, we really, again, there's a lot of different things, but there's also a lot of similarities to people struggling with their weight. Again, it doesn't matter what your race is, your age is, right. I think your gender, like, there's a lot of similarities here. Yeah. That it's not like we're really reinventing the wheel too much in this no. whole thing. I think from a surgical perspective, it's really, it's the same. Because the anatomy yeah. is the same, you know, the physiology is like all of that. I think when we really dive into this and what we're going to obviously focus on and make sure that we're doing correctly is making sure that these people are prepared and 
and ready for this, for mm -hmm. this life change. And to make sure that they are prepared to have sustainable results too. It's yeah. For the long term, the follow-up. Uh, there's been a few studies that have come out recently. We're going to get into really what is the up-to-date literature? What are the, you know, what are the guidelines for this um, out there? And a lot of what we're, we're reading about is that Gosh, the long-term effects are are long-lasting in the mm -hmm. pediatric population. And that is what, to me, makes it that we have to do this. Yeah. We just – we have to do this. So the first thing is we need to get to know our patients and really their whole environments that they're yeah. in because because it's not just the patient, though. It's also their their family, their support, their caregiver. Um, you know, understanding their living situation is so, so critically important. Like, who are their caregivers? Right. And what are their habits like? What is their lifestyle like? All of those sorts of things. Yeah. And that that goes along, and we'll talk about this too, is like this multidisciplinary approach to it where we're, we are, we're looking at, and we always look at our patients as holistic people. We're not just, mm -hmm. you know, like, great, there's just this one aspect of it. We know that, that weight impacts a lot of different areas. But when we look at this population, we know that it's even more of a, consideration is what what does their home life look like who's making the food who's shopping who's doing that and you know those are all things we're gonna gonna be chatting about and considering yeah those are those are different layers of already a complex type of a yeah. thing and and that's that's it so you know when you look at patient or you look at in this case a teenager an adolescent the very first thing always is like, why? Like, yeah. why do you want that? And that's also something that we really want to assess their maturity because, I mean, you want to make sure that they are, they're also thoughtful and, yeah. and why they want to do this. Like, how do you see your life if you weren't obese? They're in the kids, my God, bullying and being just victimized. You know, into my reading, there's a lot of kids who are actually homeschooled are the ones that decide to have bariatric surgery because oh, okay. their weight is just impacting them on a, on a mental aspect and just, you know, yeah. depression, anxiety, like I just don't want to go outside, right. all of those considerations. And just, I would imagine, ability to participate in the day-to-day -day activities of being a teenager, you know, yeah. whether that's going shopping with your friends, whether it's participating in, you know, sports or um, social clubs or theater or dance or, you know, anything, the arts, like I think any of those things can be impacted by and again when we're looking at this this is for a you know a patient with more severe obesity this mm -hmm. is not somebody who's a little bit overweight but it really can be impactful on that day-to-day day-to-day um, -day living yeah so that that brings up a good thing so who even qualifies so the qualifications are very similar to the adult ones which is based on bmi body mass index and in the pediatric population we're looking at a bmi of 35 to 39.9 with those metabolic comorbidities mm -hmm. like the sleep apnea high blood pressure diabetes you will qualify insurance covers this mm -hmm. insurance covers this and then if you don't have any but your bmi is over 40 you qualify based on your bmi alone right. and Obviously, that's a lot of it's based on there's the growth charts and there's the percentage of where you fall and the weight on those charts. Yes. And for these ones, you qualify typically if your BMI is greater than the 95th percentile. Uh -huh. So that is another way of looking at it because we're getting referrals for this sort of weight management program from pediatricians. Right. And this is also, you know, 
nobody. We're we're gonna make sure that no 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 kid is gonna wake up and be like, oh, I'm gonna go try surgery, or no parent, or no caregiver, or no anybody yeah. is going to think like, no, we're gonna try the non-invasive methods yes. first. Obviously, that's gonna be at the forefront. But you know, maybe you've done the diets and you've you've done you know you've been supervised by your pediatrician, who's probably just like in the adults, like completely overwhelmed yeah. by all of the other responsibilities and then the, the complexity of it. And it's like, oh, we have a 15 minute visit, you know, like, yeah. um, have you thought about losing weight? Like, yeah, every of second, course. just like yeah, every second of every day I've thought about it. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, this is something that we, we will obviously look at their weight history, their diet history, their exercise, like you said about sports, you know, this is where you're kind of like figuring out what it is you do like. Yeah. And, and if you can't participate because your weight is holding you back, you know, like, yeah. let's 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 do it. And so we are also going to be looking at medical weight loss. So mm-hmm. I just want to touch on that a little bit. Um, so who qualifies for medications? Same as the adults, BMI twenty seven to twenty nine point nine or thirty and above, and that is not an arbitrary amount of the population. Actually, um, in twenty sixteen, this is what I looked this data up yeah. from the um the WHO, the World Health organization, 340 million Americans um, that were children or adolescents were obese. Wow. That's that's a crazy number. And then um, 8.5% of all adolescents or 4.5 million of those ages 12 to 19 were greater than the 95th percentile that would qualify also for surgery. Wow. And the problem is there's just not a lot of programs. Mm -hmm. It's a very, um, the traditional programs, which is a bricks and mortar, come on into the building, see an exercise physiologist in this room, a dietitian in that Mm -hmm. room. Here's your, um, you know, there's very few physicians that are trained, that are pediatrics, that have done a, a additional obesity these programs just there's just not enough to take care of that no so we want to do something that's you know really easy and that sort of thing um to to hopefully be accessible convenient um and most importantly effective so looking at the medications um right now they're um orlistats Mm, everyone's favorite i know and make you poop your pants yeah so we we we're not going to be doing that one but that one is fda approved for ages 12 to 16 yeah it works on the absorption of fats it's a malabsorptive of fats and so therefore Mm -hmm. you do get these like greasy stools and diarrhea and which i think in the long run just makes you food avoidant yeah and and just so that you're preventing those symptoms it's not even that like you malabsorb that much it's just you stop eating some of those things and like high fat is typically like not even the culprit like okay yeah. i can still eat a sugary you know yeah ice, icing else. off a cake or something yeah. like oh okay um so there's orlistat which we won't be doing and i don't think there's many that would rec- recommend that and then for for decades and decades there's um fentramine or fentramine plus topiramate which is qsimia but that's in ages 16 and up uh-huh. and i don't know how often i would do that one as well and the reason why I would he- be hesitant um, for those of you who maybe have not listened to our medical weight loss um, topic on this, fentramine mimics the sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. So it is a sympathomyomimetic amine. Mm-hmm. So it is something that really just makes your, um, you know, that fight or flight running through the woods. We talked about that a lot. But with that being said, I think that the impact on sleep. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be the biggest hesitancy I would have with that one. 
Yeah, that makes sense because especially with when we look at teenagers' oh. sleep schedules and sleep patterns, they're already so skewed and, you know, school starting at the time that it does really a lot of for a lot of kids doesn't fit with how they should really be sleeping even. And so then you're adding in a stimulant medication to that. And yeah, I could see that being. Yeah. I don't know if I would want to go there because it would be so disruptive or, you know, yeah, kids, they need, and teens need more than they need a lot of sleep. Absolutely. And they don't tend to get it. So yeah, there's a lot of cognitive brain power, um, even just physiology there that I wouldn't want to mess with that. So in late December of 2022, early 2023, Wagovi, which is basically semaglutide, the same as the Ozempic craze, um, is now approved for adolescents greater than 12 years and up. So mm-hmm. if you're 15 and up and your BMI is greater than that 95th percentile, you qualify um, as obese. We um, you know, would love to have you. We already have a comprehensive program as maybe that would be your first line treatment or maybe you've already been working with your endocrinologist. Maybe you have diabetes. Maybe you're already on like an Ozempic or something mm-hmm. and and it's you know maybe not as effective and you're already ready for surgery. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity too. And and we'll talk more on this on the wait and see kind of theory and, mm. and watch and wait. Um, but, you know, those medical interventions can be good, you know, in, in looking at people who whose BMI is a little bit on the lower side who might not qualify for medication, but maybe we can get them or might not, I'd rather qualify for surgery, but maybe we can get them in to prevent them from getting to that place as well. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and that's like what you just said about the wait and see. Let's just go there. Yeah. So... A lot of the data exists. And in, 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 like we already said, in adults, this has been a hard-won battle with referring providers, again, with society, mm-hmm. with a lot of people thinking, just eat less and move more. What is wrong with these kids? What's wrong with these parents? Shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you. And as a parent, I will tell you, yes, I have little kids. And I mean, my God, I obsess over this. Like, I thought... I would be able to have control over that. Yeah. You're going to see this, Anna. Like, it is something that it is like, don't restrict them because you don't want them to sneak food or feel that, you right. know, like There's, you hate that stuff yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, and, and it is. It's such a hard line of, you know, and, and I think a lot of us who grew up in the 70s, 80s, 90s experienced a lot of that more diet culture mm-hmm. that has been programmed into And now it's like the clean plate club and it's this and it's you know, all the, the processed food that we know has become much more accessible and everything. But yeah, it's finding that balance between providing your kid a nourishing meal mm-hmm. and not restricting them to an unsafe and unhealthy degree. And that's what people really have an issue with. I think one of the big things with the surgery as well is they're looking at it as are we just creating an unhealthy relationship with food, starting with these kids when they're when they're kids and teenagers, not they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that if we really take a step back and look at these kids and, and their the weight that they've gained in this short amount of time of their life, because they they haven't had that many years to mm-hmm. have done this, is really when you can step back and see like, oh, this is probably not a lifestyle issue. Right. Or not solely a lifestyle issue. Again, I will always say, does lifestyle play in, a role in obesity management 100 percent that's my that's my job in all of this is Mm -hmm. to look at lifestyle and diet and other things and but are there other things that are factors that are going into it yes and that's where we see the success with surgery and where these kids will probably 
you know, just benefit from an inter- an earlier intervention because mm-hmm. like you're saying, it's this watch and wait. Yeah, the watchful waiting is not appropriate. That is a direct quote from uh, some academic um, specialists in this topic, That some that have been doing this bariatric surgery in, in teens and kids since the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few long-term studies. And I think that's that's always a hesitancy, even in adults. Like yeah. I hear all the time, like, all right, well, what will happen if I get cancer when I'm like 20 years from now? Or like, what's it going to be like when I'm old? Like, am I 80? Like, how is it living with the gastric bypass long term or the mm-hmm. sleeve or, or you know, any of these uh, you know surgeries? And you know, what does that look like? And I get it. Like, you know, the fear of the unknown. Like, I don't want in a in a 15-year-old to set them up for like, okay, you lost some weight. Now I set you up for the next, you know, gosh, there's a lot of life to live. Yeah. You know, 70 years of what have I done? Yeah. Like, wow, this is so permanent. This is, you know, like your kid can't even get a tattoo without your permission. Yeah. So like, this just feels like a lot. But, you know, and everything, the most fascinating thing, the big hypothesis is, how does age play a role into the, the longevity of it, the success of it, and even the the long-term sustainability of the resolution of the comorbid um, conditions, the other you know metabolic issues related to weight? And the big hypothesis that is being answered, the big advantage is that the degree of comorbidity or other disease, obesity-related condition resolution is much more robust when you have surgery in childhood. Mm-hmm. And that's like jarring to me. And that whenever I kind of saw that in some, there's been some more studies as of late that are like coming out, the American College of Surgeons, um, there's like a longitudinal assessment is called the Teen Labs study. There's uh, other ones where they followed them for 15 years yeah. and they looked at the outcomes. The thing that's just incredible is that, again, there is a counter argument to this wait and see approach that watchful waiting is just not appropriate, that you're only just allowing time for things to get worse because right. you're thinking, I don't know this population. I don't want to touch this. This is this is scary. I don't want to be the one responsible for it. So I'm just going to wait till you're 18 years and zero days old. And then, yeah. and then we'll talk. And that's how a lot of us feel yeah. like about it. But again, that's not appropriate. So there was, in 2022, in the Journal of the American College of Surgeons, there is a study that was called the Long-Term Outcomes After Adolescent Bariatric Surgery. And they're looking at it in terms of total body weight loss. Mm-hmm. So if you are 300 pounds, and with this, they're saying that they maintain at two years, the average weight loss on all the patients they studied, which was about 100 patients, was they kept off 44% of their total body weight loss. Wow. Which means that, you know, they were 300 pounds, that two years past surgery, they kept off about, you know, 140 of it or so. Yeah. yeah. So, and then at all the way up to 15 years, they kept off 32% total body weight loss at 15 or follow-up. And that the quotes from the article were the things that were just just the most incredible, that over 90% said that they were happy and would have done it again because they thought it was foundational in setting up their lives for something that they would have never imagined if they were bigger. That they couldn't do, felt like they couldn't do before. Exactly. They were graduating college. They were, they had families. Mm-hmm. I mean, these kids are now, you know, no longer kids. There were, some of them were 16, 17, and now they're in their thirties Yeah, and they have kids of their own. Yeah, It set their kids up for better eating patterns. It's that they just 
And that's something that I'm like, wow, you know, like how different your life would be. Think about it. If you're listening and you struggle with your weight and you had bariatric surgery in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, mm-hmm. would would life been totally a different trajectory in every way, shape, and form if you would have done, yeah, this done this earlier? earlier? Yeah. Yeah. Because there are people, you know, and I talk to people about this when I'm assessing them, you know, kind of like, when did your weight really start to become a problem? And of course, there's some people who it comes later in life, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. especially we see like women after pregnancy and like there's certain populations that we do see or maybe they have just a family, such a strong family history of diabetes that they develop it later in life or things like that. Whatever. Life happens, you get it later. But then I do have patients who say, you know, I've been big as long as I can remember. I started Weight Watchers when I was 12 mm-hmm. and I've been dieting on and off for the last 20 years and nothing has worked. And it is, it's like, imagine not just like what physically you can do, but mentally and emotionally, if you weren't on that cycle of dieting, losing, regaining, mm-hmm. dieting, losing, regaining, just that constant roller coaster. I think it's draining from all aspects. And then, you know, like you were saying, I think to me, what's really going to be the the best outcomes for these is prevention of these chronic and serious illnesses that like type two diabetes, like cardiovascular problems. I mean, we are seeing those things. Type two diabetes used to be known as adult onset diabetes, and it's not anymore no. because we're seeing it in these earlier populations. I mean, you're seeing kids develop type two and they're like to start sometimes they're not sure if it's type one or type two because type one was always only seen you know the only one seen in in kids and now it's not Mm -hmm. and i think you know when we think about the quality of our organs over time which i don't think a lot of us give a lot of thought to where all of our organs fail over time that's just how it (laughs) that's just how it is our kidneys are always working they're going to get weaker over time our heart our, our pancreas all of that But if you add in a chronic disease to that and you can stop that early or prevent that from happening in the first place, like that is going to slow down so much, Mm -hmm. you know? Without a doubt. And I think that that's some of the the research that goes hand in hand with that, that the severity of the disease, which becomes much more significant Mm -hmm. over time, can now you can stop, reverse, prevent everything. I mean, fatty liver disease is probably Mm -hmm. one of the best examples. Mm -hmm. I see people in their 30s. This isn't like, you know, like end of life age here. No. That have early cirrhotic changes. They have nodularity to their livers. Their livers are showing um, as starting to to have some abnormality in their function as with the liver function test and the blood work we get before surgery. You know, like, oh, should we even give Tylenol preoperatively because we're worried about About the health and the function of your liver. Yeah. And and it's not, that's non-alcoholic. These are a lot of times too, we see people that don't drink or very rarely drink, you know, nothing crazy like that. So yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think there is lots to be said with the metabolic improvement, just like with adults. And I think that that's it. Now looking at the program of like, how does this look for a kid to feel, you know, that you feel comfortable in going for this? Um, You know, this is some, these are minors and you need a parent, a guardian, a very informed consent. Mm -hmm. You need an actively engaged um, support system, really great open communication, Mm -hmm. making sure that they all really understand what you need to do and know that there's like lifetimes of kind of things and habits beat into you. And just like anything, like how do you change 
thinking. Yeah. Well, like you're, I always say at the initial console, I'm like, Hannah, I, I say this all the time. I'm like, she's so cool because she does just get, like, she's not going to just push the agenda that's standardized on everybody. It doesn't work. It doesn't. It will never work. Well, and it is, it's almost like, it's all, and, and for a lot of people, I think it is, it's breaking generational mm. trauma and generational habits and these things that, you know, people who have, you know, the parents of these children or the guardians of these children can, can take that higher look and can take that step back and see, because maybe they experienced what their kid is going through when they were growing up and maybe they've always struggled with their weight and they don't want to see their kid going down the same path. Because again, we know that obesity is related to genetics. There's a huge genetic component in it. And so I think there's a lot of familial recognition of these types of things. And I think, you know, as anybody, you always are trying to make sure that the next generation has it better than the current generation. Right. So true. So I think that's where, but I think it is very going to be very important for these people to, and just like with anybody, but I think especially in this population to have that very strong support system at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I mean, the thing is a lot of kids or childhood obesity may start, let's just put it all out there from these kind of adverse childhood experiences. That's the, that's the medical term for it. It's like when things are not great in the home front, divorces happen, abuse happens, whether that be sexual, emotional, physical. And these are the people that sometimes, I mean, they're still, they can't get out from that. These yeah. are the ones that have to be paying for the therapy appointments, for the co-pays. Like, do you even have insurance? Maybe you don't. Maybe your insurance excludes it. What? Pediatric, bariatrics? No way. You know, self-pay. Like, uh, you know, the yeah. timing of all that sort of thing. And so that's something else I really want to make sure that we're just so deliberate on. And yeah. that is the support First of all, we have a support group on Facebook. We are, you know, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram. We yeah. do um, all telehealth. Like, I mean, I'm kind of excited for the kids to teach me. Like, I, like, yeah. like, oh, I didn't even know my my patient portal could do that yeah, feature. Right. You know, like, but we want to make it convenient so that they can they can get that, and and hopefully we'll we'll develop you know quite a few patients that together can have their own kind of spinoff to the spinoff of the yeah. support group, and and then a support group for families or for mm-hmm. um their friends, and and maybe the most supportive person isn't a traditional of course mom or dad or yeah. even grandparent. It might be a neighbor, somebody that watches a babysitter, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. There's right. all of those considerations about who influences your life. Mm-hmm. And I and I hope that, you know, surgery, I always feel like beyond the reason why I think people really like us and they feel like oh, just like so drawn to it is because we do form relationships that are mm-hmm. much more than a traditional kind of, yeah. you know. Absolutely. Well, I think it's accessibility too. And that's a, going to your point earlier of some of the reason that there's also been slow growth with this is because so much of this is such a traditional practice and program. Mm-hmm. And kids go to school. I mean, yes. Monday to Friday, like what, eight to, I don't know what time school ends, 3.30 or whatever, but then your parents are working and maybe you don't drive and maybe the parents have to be there for appointments. So it's it's all of a sudden you're juggling a lot more considerations and scheduling and mm-hmm. looking at those types of things. And so I think that that's the other issue is that everybody has tried to apply adult practices to adolescents. And that's just not necessarily going to work because while we recognize that, yes, surgery is going to be very similar because it's, you've said, you know, 
what changes on the day they turn 18 if, with their anatomy. Nothing. Nothing yeah. is going to change. And, um, but, and, and even their, their home life may not change. I mean, I was still senior in high school when I turned 18. So what yeah. difference does that really make? So kind of looking at this and not necessarily applying this adult centered program mm-hmm. to non-adults like they're different it's a different population yeah so trying to be nimble and trying to make sure that we're accommodating to the realities of being a teenager yeah is going to be key exactly like what topics do they want what materials do they want how do they like it delivered what mm-hmm. works what doesn't work i mean from your standpoint you have the lion's share of the lift here it's the easiest yeah i got it i mean i said i could do a 20 minute i mean oh my goodness their anatomy like i said is so beautiful and you know i could do a quick surgery but that is nothing yeah. in the my, my part is nothing in the scheme of this whole thing right and it never and it isn't with the adults either it really isn't you know i just i just take their credit but yeah. um <laughs> I mean, it's really it's like you and the program the thoughtfulness and even like maybe somebody wants to get into cooking and uh-huh. like you're going to be like their first person that taught them right. how to make some basic meals that are like yeah you know, affordable easy, easy that they can yeah. they can Cook do in their dorm i mean that's a good one geez. I mean, that's that's Did a huge you, point. My dorm kitchen, I only lived in the dorm for one year, literally was a converted supply closet. Oh. I'm not kidding. We're So we record our podcast in my husband's office, and it's the smallest bedroom in my house. It was half the size of this room. It was so tiny. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. We it. had one. We had like a micro fridge, which was a yeah. microwave. <laughs> By the way, as everyone knows, I'm a mean microwaver, and that's where my start. Yeah, right. That's pretty much the extent of it. That's the extent of your cooking. That was hey, it. I made full meals in my little dorm kitchen. Wow. Hannah, wow. next level. That's what I'm saying. Like she's gonna, but, she's gonna be yeah. teaching all of you guys. This well, and stuff. I th- and then I think there. Obviously, we know that diet is a component, and with that goes too. Of course, there's going to be a point where these people are going out on their own and living their own lives, but we have to pull back and look at the family life Mm -hmm. and look at who is going shopping for the food, who is cooking the food, what's what's the process for siblings. And I even with my adult patients, I talk about this because obviously a lot of our patients have kids and they're like, well, I need to make sure that the diet works for me. And then also is again, looking back at not restricting the kids too much and letting them grow. And so there is always that fine balance, but this is kind of the reverse of that. And I do think that we're going to also see, see kids that come through the program whose parents have done bariatric surgery. And I think that because again, we have this genetic component, we know Mm -hmm. that this is going to be familial. And I think that's going to be a great, obviously, kind of way for these people to be really supported or they have parents who themselves maybe they haven't had surgery but they're trying to lose weight on their own too and so it's it can be really that whole family buy-in um that's uh, that that possibility is super cool to me yeah i i mean i I, see it happening i do too i think it's incredible like because that was another thing that made us think people say oh my gosh would you operate on my child and to Mm -hmm. me like wow you know we've talked about this a million times but it's one thing to get your 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 spouse or your but to get your child Mm -hmm. like wow like obviously we don't take that lightly no and we really just you know we want to make sure that we understand their history. We understand your family history, your weight history, your lifestyle. But also a big thing is that supportive, the behavioral health component, the mental health. And I think it's important to really get to the root of like what motivates somebody. Mm -hmm. And, And that is also goes back to the why and the level of maturity and those sorts of things. But you know, what do you really want to do? And even with a kid, like an adult, I never, ever, ever 
criticize, judge anything on their why. No. And you know, what motivates you and how are you from a mental health standpoint right now? How is your weight impacting you? And making sure that, yeah, they understand the procedures, the long-term importance. Mm-hmm. And another big hot topic with this is the understanding of the absolute requirement, the necessity to be compliant with the multivitamin and the calcium yes. citrate for life. Yes. Because I think that's a what people just hide behind that. Like, oh, well, I mean, you don't want malabsorption and... Want, yeah, you don't want mineral deficiencies. But that's where the other thing, just to, to veer off on that for a second, that's where lifelong follow-up comes into play. And whether, obviously, we would continue to see these patients for as long as we can, but, you know, they're going to be out here longer than we're here, but, you know, making sure that they know what they need from that follow-up standpoint too for the lifetime and recognizing they need these certain specific labs annually and they need to follow with that and they need to be taking the vitamins and all of that. Mm -hmm. And of course, over time, I'm sure those guidelines are going to change and there'll be adjustments and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I think just recognizing, like you said, the importance of that and the the follow-up care that goes with it. Yes. It's a lifelong follow-up for and, anyone. And oh. I agree. Yeah, for exactly. And that's for, that's not just for these people. Um, I, I think too, looking at things like following with nutrition, like following with psych, you know, uh, like a psych provider, those are also kind of things to consider of the longer term follow-up mm-hmm. because we are going to be looking at, you're going to be moving through a lot more stages of your life as a post-bariatric patient. So looking at when I, trans, like I said, like when you transition from home to mm. your own, whatever it is, dorm, apartment, house, you know, whatever you're, when you're, when you then do transition maybe to having your own family, and those are going to be more pivotal moments mm. that a lot of our adult patients have gone through those changes. Yeah. And so feeling supported through that through those big life events that so many people have already gone through or getting new jobs and, you know, heartache and all of these things <laughs> that these like kiddos haven't had yet. Yeah. Um, and that same. So nutrition and then also the the psych side of things of how are we coping through this? And, you know, as your friends are doing different things, what, you know, how are you coping with all of that? So I do think that it's yes, from a health perspective, and we don't want nutrition deficiencies, and we don't want your muscles wasting away, and we don't want all these other things, but we also need to look at the mental health side of things for that longer term mm-hmm. follow up, which again, super important for all of our patients. I'm yeah. not saying that not, you know, no one needs these things, but looking at it in this more unique population. Yeah, we're going to, you know, make sure that you have all of those resources. And that's a little bit about our program. So how does it work? Um, You know, just like, oh, this sounds great. You know, maybe you stumbled upon this podcast and your child has been struggling. Maybe you're you're cool and you you found us because we're super cool too. And you just, yeah. you just found hip. us. We're so hip here <laughs> that you found us. You're like, you know what? These, these guys, like, I love their website. I love their vibe. I love this information. And you've been lurking on all the TikToks and all the mm. things like you, you know, you have done more research probably than some of our patients in a lifetime combined, yeah. you know, like, because you, you see it and you want it and you just almost obsess over just, wanting to just achieve that and you just can't you just need a tool and that's always what bariatric surgery will be and so if you're interested you go to our website you get started and we're all virtual yeah so we want to make sure that for whether you're doing the medical weight loss side if you want to start with that if you've already done that you know that no i i need to get into the pipeline to do Mm -hmm. the surgical weight loss side i just want to have a consultation to understand about my options what's the program like what surgeries do you do 
I mean, I would do a sleeve and gastric bypass mm -hmm. on, you know, the same properly selected patient. And right. gastric bypass, if your BMI is over 45, if that means you have more weight to lose, if you have acid reflux, mm -hmm. and if you're already struggling with type 2 diabetes or yeah. insulin resistance or PCOS and all of those things, even if you're 15, 16, 17, I would still recommend a gastric bypass. Yeah. Um, and I think... You can very safely have that. We have a whole episode on on women's health type issues and pregnancy because that's another one big one. They're like, well, yeah. when my daughter gets pregnant, you know, what's going to happen? I'm like, she's going to be more fertile, Just, healthy, yeah, exactly. all of those things. Right. You're really setting up. And again, you know, thinking back to kind of some of the causes of, of obesity, when we look at that can be a factor too is, I mean, we look back at, at causes of obesity and over, overweight going back to when you're in the womb. Mm. I mean, it is legitimately, there's research that shows just like we know with other health conditions. I mean, we know with supplementation and those types of things, what's really important during pregnancy. And, and that is something that can be a factor. So mm. if you almost, again, looking at kind of breaking some of these generational issues, if we can then have these pregnancies be at a healthier weight and, a, you know, at a lower weight, mm -hmm. are we potentially then setting up that next generation to not have some of these issues? Again, mm -hmm. it's not going to change your genetics, but there's like the epigenetics and there's the womb environment and all of those types of things that play into longer term, Yeah, you know, and gestational diabetes and those types of things. Of course, that can happen regardless, but that's your placenta's fault, but um, yes. you know, we do know that you're at higher risk with higher weights and things like that. So there's other factors when we do pull back again, looking at some of these higher, higher level views. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. You say that like a lot of times I'll say, okay, how long have you struggled with your weight? And they're like, well, since birth, I was a, a 11 pound baby. Yeah. And, it's, and, it, and, it's, and it's kind of true. Yeah. And and then you look at the pictures of your siblings are all, or maybe everybody struggles, or maybe you're the only one. And it's just, mm -hmm. Even if they're young, even if you haven't had decades and decades of it, it it still could be something that you have struggled with since the yeah. day that you were born. And, you know, and we're here to help and yeah. we're here to help in, in you know, the properly selected patient. And again, we're here to protect all the other organs, too. Yeah, we and are. Prevent these other problems from just being worse than they than they need to be. Yeah. We don't, we want to either be preventative, improve or resolve mm -hmm. all of those things to break the pattern. Mm -hmm. If you um, have tried all other things, that does not mean that the most, I mean, obesity is a disease and we all preach it, but then it's like, okay, well, you, you did a little bit, but we're not going to give you the most efficacious option. Right. Yeah. We're just not going to give you access to it. We're going to make it really, really cumbersome that yeah. you have to do basically like months and months and months that turn into years. And then you kind of fall off the program because- And then you, you show up 20 years later. And then there and you are. you struggled this whole time. It's like, yeah, I kind of thought about it when I was a kid, but I, I never really went through yeah. it. And so that's the other thing that we are wanting to do. And um, that is offer the most inexpensive competitive cell pay pricing in the United States. Mm -hmm. So for sleeve bypass revisional surgery for adolescents or adults, right now it's starting at $10,999, mm -hmm. which includes all of it, surgery and all that. Why do I bring this up? Because right now I know there is an exodus of people who live in the U.S. They're going to Mexico and yeah. taking their kids there to have bariatric surgery. Yeah. And, you know, I do think that... Again, we're we're talking about the similarities and the differences. Sure, the the twenty minutes to an hour procedure that you have, I'm sure it can be done safely there, yeah. and you're fine. Yeah. But when it comes to like 
you know, I belong in this program. They get me. They feel me. Mm -hmm. I can turn to them. I can text them. Like, I think that stuff, I mean, should really just culturally or just understand that. I don't know. I, I feel, I think as a parent, I would feel more comfortable in the U.S., yeah. you know? I, yeah. I certainly don't want to, I'm not being negative towards any of my south of the border colleagues, yeah. but I do think that this is something that there's just no options that exist and, I, and we really just feel strong and we want to offer it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just to the detriment of people too, that it's not being offered. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just making more availability for it. There's no, it's the same with the adults. There's no lack of patience to go around. And I think just offering this as an opportunity and availability for these people, again, who would feel more comfortable being here and staying, staying in the States and all of that. Um, and who do know that the, the follow-up might be different and that lifetime care might look different yeah. from a, a program you're, you know. And I think a lot of it goes, it, it falls back on what is the negative cycle here? So, okay, you go to Mexico, you have this done. Then it falls, the care falls on the pediatrician. Yeah. And we have spent so much, we've already talked about the challenges, just, you know, trying to navigate and trying to get the buy-in, the support, mm-hmm. the referrals for the pediatric colleagues. And if all that they're seeing is these programs where there's just sort of like, you know, sleeve them and leave them, you know, I mean, and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, surprise, what labs do I even order? What do I do? Like, yeah, that's like a lot of responsibility. And I can, I can imagine that that's met with a lot of, again, this is a hot topic, very controversial. Uh They feel as though, you know, kids are vulnerable. Like we don't want them just to be like, you know, without thinking of this thoroughly, but I don't know. I think that I think we need to offer them something. Yeah. Well, and I think that again, going back kind of the top of when we're meeting with these patients for the first time is really assessing the the patient themselves. And we know that these some of these visits are going to be with the patient alone. Some of them are going to be with the family members with that support system because we need everyone to have the knowledge. We need everybody to be on board with the changes mm-hmm. and everything. But it is making sure that the kid is showing up and acting interested and showing, you know, that they want this, that it's not mom and dad are saying, all right, we have to go to the doctor and we have to do this because I don't, that's when it's, you know, we have to look at the appropriateness of it. And that's part, and that's part of the assessment. And that's also why we'll work closely with psych providers and colleagues to help us to understand where that kid is at emotionally Mm -hmm. and mentally. And are they ready? You know, because they are still developing, they are still growing, they're their little brains are still developing and all yeah. of that. But I think that you can tell the difference in a kid that's ready and wanting to do this versus the one who's being dragged to the yeah. visit. Yeah. If you're listening to our podcast and you found us, then that's, I think, one step already yeah. towards that you want to get educated. You're just yeah. consuming all the information that you can find out there. And, you know, how how does it impact you and your life? And really, I mean, the upshot is this. Bariatric surgery low rate of complications, mm-hmm. high rates of satisfaction. Yeah. And again, your lives is just kind of like setting the foundation of what mm-hmm. the rest of your life could potentially look like. And gosh, yeah. that's exciting. That is exciting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember when I was in residency, they did a little bit of adolescence, not much, but I remember one, this one picture, and this was like one of the moments where I was like, oh my God, I want to do this specialty. Uh-huh. I was looking through this book of before and afters. And I mean, the before and afters, like, 
always get me anyway. Uh-huh. And it's like you can just almost see like their faces change in terms of not just shape or size, right. but like happiness. It's like this dark veil has been they're lifted glowing. off of it. They're glowing. And I just remember um, the one picture was um, a girl who had surgery her junior year. Mm-hmm. And then senior year, she was in her prom dress. Oh, yeah. And she went to prom. And it was mm-hmm. just like things that like maybe you might take for granted just like by being a normal weight and you just don't even think about like – where would I find the right dress that will look yeah. good on me and I don't feel uh, absurd? Do I even go? Do I have somebody to go with? Yeah. I, do I have a, even a friend or if it's not like a boyfriend, girlfriend? Am I, yeah. you know, physically comfortable? Like, do I have pain that makes me not want to go and participate in these things too? No. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It's it's, it's a heartbreaking thing. So. And again, we we are super excited to get you guys um, out there and living, and we're going to be putting out so much educational content yeah. um, about this. Um, yeah, so tell us what's hip, young people. Yeah, please tell, tell us again. Yeah, tell us what <laughs> tell you want to know. what you want to see. But that's the other thing is I, I think we do. We want the feedback from if you are listening to this and you do have questions and you, you're like you know, what's out there. First of all, you can always have a consultation. And if you decide this isn't for me, that's fine. We're not, again, we're not here to force anybody to do anything. But if you want the education, you can get the consult, talk with a surgeon, like do it and just see where you see how you feel. But if you have other specific questions, send us a message. We're happy to answer. We're happy to, you know, we're going to be working on, Mm -hmm. this is all very brand new. So we're going to be working on the education material. We're going to be working on, the videos, the social media, this out, you know, outreach and stuff. So we'll, we want to tailor this to the, not only are you getting the information that we know you need, but you're getting answers to the questions that you have, because we may not think of some of these things because we're just two old ladies. Yeah, we are. And I'm, I'm a lot older than you, but yes, we, we know, but we're, we're fun. And we're I, fun. I mean, I'm already, my brain is we're just spinning right now. I'm like shopping with Hannah as you and, and this teenager are just taking over to the They're store for the first time. Though. I know, like what recipes, like, or even like substitutes. Cause sometimes it's like, oh, I really like X food. We talk about this all the time. Like I snack on this. I get home from school. My habit is I grab this and then, you know, okay, well, here's a great alternative that is, um, a lot better and it mm-hmm. still like satisfies that sweet tooth or that, that, that just that need that you have. Crunchy, salty. Crispy, crunchy, salty. That's what everybody wants in a snack. There you go. It's a pickle. It's a pickle. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. There you go. I like pickles, but still. I know. Oh my goodness. All right, my friends. Well, go to bodybybariatrics.com mm-hmm. and um, check out if you're interested in becoming a patient and learning more about our pediatric adolescent ages 15 and up medical and surgical weight loss programs that we have. And as always, Dr. X Dietitian. Yep. Find us on Instagram at Dr. X Dietitian on TikTok. Body by Bariatrics. Yeah. Not Dr. X Dietitian. We need to fix that. I mean, geez, oh I mean, gosh. I'm just slow at those. We're slow. So we'll get there. I know. Uh, our website, drxdietitian.com. You can find Dr. Dovek at Dr. Dovek. You can find me at hannahskyler.rd. And if you somehow still can't find us, that's a problem. But, that is uh, a problem. Maybe, maybe we just if you, Google us. You Google us. And if, yeah, if you can't find us, maybe that's the bare minimum. Like, okay, we're not quite ready for this yes, yet. Right. <laughs> so find us. Like I said, we would love to answer your questions. If we need to do a follow-up on this, we're happy to do that. Uh, so reach out and we will look forward to see, speaking with you soon. And we'll see you next time. Let's do it. All right. Bye. Bye.